0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. We're going to jump straight into Mark. We're doing a series called The Story. The Story, which is basically looking at the Gospel of Mark. If you've missed it, week one, we said the story begins. And it's all about his story. It's about what God is doing. It's about our story, what we're doing together. And it is about my story. Because you're so clever, while I'm giving you this recap, we're also sending the offering baskets round. Week two, last week, the story demonstrated. Jesus said, come, follow me. And then what he did is he did miracles, he met with people, but it engaged great sacrifice. This week, I'm going to be looking at Mark chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, check that I'm telling you right. I'm not putting the words up on the screen. Break with tradition. In fact, I'm going to tell you the story. And you can just check in your Bibles that it's there. So if you want to follow through, it's from Mark 3, verse 7, to Mark chapter 5 and verse 43. This is in my words. Jesus left the synagogue and set up in a remote area by the lake. Yet a large crowd travelled many miles when they heard what he was doing. The disciples ended up securing a boat for Jesus. He preached from that because the crowd was so big and pushing forward to try and touch him. Jesus then headed up a mountain and chose 12 men that he appointed as apostles. He wanted them to spend time with him and then to send them out to preach and demonstrate the good news to others. One time Jesus was in a house and such a large crowd gathered that Jesus and his disciples were not even able to eat. His family heard about this and decided to come and rescue him, wanting to take Jesus away as they thought he was out of his mind. The teachers of the law also heard about Jesus, and they travelled a hundred miles from Jerusalem and accused Jesus of being possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. When Jesus' mother and brothers were outside the house, I wish we had longer to look at this. This is Mark often does this sandwich. He's got the family, the the, the the chief priests, and in the family again. It's almost like a double impact. Try and pick that up. When Jesus' mother and brothers were outside the house, and Jesus was informed that they were waiting for him, Jesus shocked <gasps> by asking, "Who are my family?" Whoever does the will of God, is his reply. Jesus then taught the parable of the sower, a farmer who sows seed into four different types of soil. The path, a rocky place, and thorns prevented any lasting fruit, though the good soil produced a crop of a hundred times. Jesus explained that the seed is the word, and the soil represents different types of people and how they respond to the good news. Jesus challenges those listening that as a light is to be seen, we are to use the gifts and abilities God has given us. Jesus also teaches that even when we're asleep, the seed continues to grow, a harvest will come. The kingdom is described like a mustard seed, the smallest plant in the ground, yet becomes the largest of all garden plants a picture that had been spoken by Daniel the prophet in the Old Testament. One evening, I'm summarizing this whole thing, Jesus and the disciples went in a boat to the other side of the lake. A furious storm came out of nowhere, and despite Jesus being asleep in the boat after all his hard work, the disciples panicked and woke him up, fearing they were about to drown. Jesus gets up and spoke to the storm. The wind stops. The water is calm. The disciples are terrified. On the other side of the lake, they're met by a man with an evil spirit. He lived in the graveyard and was chained because he would cry out and cut himself. No one could control him. The madman falls at the feet of Jesus and begs for help. Jesus sends the spirit into a herd of 2,000 pigs and they all run over a cliff and drown. But the man is saved. He sits at the feet of Jesus, listening calm. However, the local residents want nothing to do with Jesus, so they tell him to clear off. Back across the lake and another large crowd gathers around Jesus who is approached by the leader of the synagogue who desperately requests Jesus to help his 12-year-old daughter. On the way, Jesus is touched by an elderly lady who has been bleeding for 12 years and the doctors have not been able to cure her. Jesus stops, identifies the woman who he tells to go in peace. By now, Jairus' daughter has died, and his friends tell him not to bother the teacher. However, Jesus declares the girl is only sleeping, and so takes three of his closest disciples into her room, along with her parents, and brings her back from the dead. Now, if I'd have made all those stories up, you'd think, golly, that's too fast, that's too furious. Please read through Mark. Please read those passages, it is all there. Jesus, we pray that you'd speak to us this morning. We feel again, wow, this story is just action-packed. We ask that you would challenge us, stir us. Let's be impacted, not just intellectually tickled. We don't just want to think, oh... Nice thoughts. We want to be good soil. We want your seed to go into us and to produce a fruit, a harvest for you. Amen. The disciples have been invited into this story. We've also been invited into this story. They are now eager to see the kingdom advance. Let's be honest, if we think about kingdom advance, we probably think words like success, achievement, Victory. It's almost like we want the story then just to be good news after good news. It's easy to sign up and think everything's going to go well. I'm going to live in easy street. There's going to be power and miracles. I'm going to have a hassle-free life following Jesus. But I think if we look at the story of Mark, which is what we're looking at, it costs to join the family of God. We are not called to sainthood or to sit on thrones, we are called to combat. We are called to combat. You see, I would say that the gospel advances, although there are many barriers that we learn about in this passage. I just want to think about a few this morning, barriers that there are to gospel advance. Before we do that, I'm going to just quote General Patton. This was in the spring of 1944. He was a general in the army, and he says this, I don't want to get any messages saying I am holding my position. We are advancing constantly, and we are not interested on in holding into anything. Our basic plan of operation is to advance and to keep on advancing, regardless of whether we have to go over, under, or through the enemy. I'd love it. Here's a guy that, you know, if, if you were say to him, come on, you can be involved in this story, he would say, right, tell me about these barriers. I'm not going to let them stop us. Whether I have to smash through these barriers, whether I have to climb over them, whether I go under them. So what are some of the barriers that we're going to knock out of the way this morning? My first one would be this, the mustard seed. The mustard seed. Why is that a barrier? But if you're anything like me, I want to dream big. I always want to dream for something big and influential. You read books about the tipping point and suddenly the whole of healing gets changed. You know what I'm saying? That's what I dream about. But actually the mustard seed is really small. And the danger is that one of our barriers is that we have small thinking. One of our barriers is that, you know, when this church started and my family moved here, I knew there was five of us, but I wasn't confident at that stage of anyone else we can think small. Even now, there's 350,000 people outside the door, and I look around and I praise God for what's gone on, but I think, golly, this is small compared to the, the need. You can be at work. You think, God's made me to bring change where I am at work. But you might think, I don't know, I work for an organization of 20,000 people and I'm one. I live in a street of 150 houses and I'm one. It's so easy to think, golly, could I ever bring change? The farming analogy that Jesus uses lots, you don't plough the field, sow the seed, reap the harvest, thresh the grain, and make the bread in one day. I think our barrier sometimes is that we think small and we think too instant. What other barrier do I see in this passage that I think challenges us? Well, I was thinking about the demon-possessed man. We know that he was filled with evil spirits. We know that he lived amongst the tombs. No one could control him. If you read the Bible, it's got even more detail than my summary. He cut himself. He cried out. Things seemed hopeless. He and others were unable to change the present, let alone dream for the future. He was controlled by his past. Controlled by his past. Sometimes I think a barrier to us going forward with the gospel is because we look at our past. And we we basically say, I'm a victim. My past defines me. My disappointments have made me cynical. Broken promises have left me not trusting. Failure has defined me. Is that true of you? Do you think, oh golly, last year was a mess up. I don't know what 2018 is going to be. I'm letting my past define me. I believe that was a barrier for these people getting involved in the story. That was a barrier that this general would say, come on, we've got to break that down. Another barrier, I was thinking about one of the people here. I think it was the woman. What was her barrier? I think her barrier was fear. She had been bleeding for 12 years. She was an isolated, poor, she'd spent all her money, And she was getting worse, not getting better. She didn't want to go into the crowd because she knew she shouldn't be there. In those days, you contaminated somebody if you touched them when you were bleeding like that. Fear was a barrier she had to break through. I think, is that true for us? Let's be really frank. Even this morning, do we... Raise our hands and believe God's going to touch us, or do we think, oh, I don't know if other people are doing that? Do we think, you know what, I'm in the house of God and I'm just going to dance my heart out? Or do we think, oh, others think I'm a little bit over keen? Is there a fear of others that holds us back from advancing? Is there a fear, even when the offering basket comes around, you think, well, I'm not sure I could put that in, how will I survive the week? Do we let fear hold us and keep us back? What about the centurion? What was the barrier that he had? This guy, he is important. So, yeah, the, the centurion, he's important. He's powerful. He's significant. He's got at least 100 people that does whatever he says. Can you imagine that? Sometimes as a parent, you struggle to get three people to do what you want. He's got a hundred, go here, do that, come here. They do it straight away. Yet he falls at the feet of Jesus and pleads. I'm desperate, come help, come help. And then it all appears too late. You know what the barrier for him was? delay if you'd have come straight away if you hadn't got hung up with that crowd my daughter would still be alive but because of the delay she's now dead and sometimes I think that's our, our challenge when it comes to the whole gospel story and you think I want to get it caught up in it God I prayed that five years ago and it's still not happened I feel like you've delayed on me and it stops me wanting to advance oh, I I, I really thought that person would get healed, and they didn't. I really thought my kids would be doing something, and they're not. And I prayed, and I prayed, and it feels like you've delayed. And now it's like, and it becomes a barrier to us really going for the gospel. We get held back. It feels like a fight. I don't know how many of you have seen the, the recent film, Darkest Hour, the story of Winston Churchill. I love it. He starts with this I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Sometimes I think, oh, wouldn't that be a great you know, strap line for the church? This is Redeemer Church, and I've got nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. <laughs> Yeah, great. How many of us are going to turn up every Sunday? You ask, what is our policy? I say, it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all our strength. I love this sort of thing about Winston Churchill. There, in the midst of difficulty, he was saying, come on, we've got to fight, 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 fight. And I guess that's part of the story that we're reading today. There's such a challenge. I was thinking this, the four things I've just given you, four examples. Actually, there's four examples of Jesus having to cross a barrier. The first one was this, wasn't it? It was the Pharisees. The Pharisees, the extra-religious folk of the day, those with influence and power, those actively looking for a Messiah, they've charelled 100 miles what to do. Accuse him, to judge him. He's possessed by the devil, is what they say, rather than thinking he's good and God and credit him. I think we have a challenge now of establishment. As a believer, I feel like I'm out of step with society. I, I believe that marriage is one man, one woman for life. I believe that life starts at conception. I believe we're to be good stewards of this planet. I believe that we're to look out for the last, the least, and the lost, which can go against so much of our society. Jesus had that challenge. The establishment, the society, seemed to be against him. What other barrier did Jesus have? Family. Family. We discover that Jesus' mother and brothers have come to take him home to look after him I don't know about you in, in my book I think what's the big deal I grew up with my parents at 18 I went off to university that was in London loved London so much never wanted to leave I've never been back to my hometown I've never gone and lived with my parents since and I can think oh big deal but in this day it was a massive deal you see, in this day, if you read the Bible, it was the son of and the son of. You got your identity from your family. The job you did, the way, where you lived, probably the person you married, all came from your family. And so what is the real challenge to Jesus? It's not about the physical people that he's living with. It's about his identity. The barrier that he has to break through here is, are you going to be known as the son of Joseph or the son of God? I sometimes think we have that kind of challenge. Am I just going to be known as a husband or a father or a follower of Arsenal? Or am I going to be known as someone who aligns myself with God? Because my identity will shape how I get involved in the battle. Jesus had this. In the story, there's almost, wow, this is coming out. What You mean your identity, you're going full on for God? What other barriers did Jesus have to cross? He was physically tired. <laughs> I know that we can preach about he was trusting God, and that's why he was asleep in the boat. But I think he was sleeping because be, he was tired. Some of you, you know, this might be your first week looking at Mark with us. We said there's 16 chapters, but over 40 times Mark uses the word immediately, immediately, immediately. I mean, Jesus was just what I summarized today. He boom, 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 boom. It's a bit like pinball, isn't it? You look at it and you think, God, it's going everywhere. What on earth is happening? Jesus was physically tired. I absolutely love London. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I love the opportunities, the events, the people, the places, the sense of excitement. I love the fact that you can buy tomatoes at three o'clock in the morning. I've never done it. There's even a night czar now to make sure that you know things are pumping. But I think living in the city makes us physically tired. And I think that's another battle we have to face. So when we suddenly say, oh, come on, it's a week of prayer. Oh, I don't know if I can get up and go to a week of prayer. Oh, come on, there's a meet-up. Why don't you come on a meet-up? Oh, I don't know if I want to go out of an evening. The danger is that we can suddenly get tired, tired of going again, tired of really going. Jesus is asleep in his boat, so tiredness is one thing. The other thing, I think, is there's a barrier here, is circumstances. There's a massive storm. Without going into the geography too much, they reckon the Sea of Galilee is something like 200 feet below the sea level, and it's surrounded by these sort of hills, and so you get these sudden storms that whip up. These winds come through, and though it's not a big lake, as lakes of the world would go, it can suddenly get really, really violent. I wonder if Jesus felt that. I wonder if he suddenly felt, "Golly, the circumstances of life are just against me. Yeah, I've got another quote from another general this morning because I feel like we're in for a fight. He was speaking to some troops in Africa in 1942. He says, here we will stand and fight. There will be no further withdrawal. I've ordered that all plans and instructions dealing with further withdrawal are to be burned and at once we will stand and fight here. If we stay here alive, if we can't stay alive, then let us stay here dead. Man alive. That's the way he was wanting to fight. Sometimes I think, do we get that with this story of Jesus? Look, there's a fight on here. Please, I want to challenge us. I sometimes think the danger with us as Christians is that we pick certain stories out of the Bible and think, I'd like my life to be like that. So as I go into 2018, if I'm really honest, I would like to take on the mantle of Moses, that he just steps into the sea and it parts, and a million people go through. And I'd love to step into 2018, or maybe not Moses, maybe if we're brutally honest, we think, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to be Joshua. He goes into the promised land, and what happens? He just walks around Jericho and the whole lot collapses. And I think, wouldn't that be great if I just went into 2018 and thought, you know what, I'm just going to walk around and the enemy would fall. I think if we're brutally honest, those are the exceptions in the Bible. I think that often in the Bible, life is a fight. Abraham and Sarah have to fight infertility. What, you mean we're 99 and we haven't got a kid? But God said you would. Oh, I've got to fight for that. I've got to believe in faith. David! I mean, the important man comes to town and your dad doesn't even invite you to the meal. And then suddenly you do get accepted in. And what do you have to do? You have to go and take on this giant called Goliath. It's a fight. I think that is the biblical picture. I think it's even like Nehemiah, isn't it? You suddenly get this call of God, and and it doesn't go easy. It says they're building with their trowel, and they've got their sword on their back. Because even while I'm building, it's a fight. You think about Esther, her own parents had died. She's brought up by an uncle. And then suddenly she goes to the king. I mean, we we would think that's very glamorous. I mean, basically, she's got to have great sex with him for one night just to stay alive and be a part of the kingdom. And when she's done all of that, she fears her own death to save her own people. It's a fight, isn't it? You've got a fight of somebody like Jonah that God says, I want you to go and do this. He says, oh no, that seems like hard work. I think I'll run away. This fish swallows him up and literally spits him out. And he says, oh, and then he has to walk through Nineveh and tell them the story. I guess if we're brutally honest, if we think about barriers to be overcome, we've got to think about Jesus Christ. Pilate pursued a mock trial and had him whipped The soldiers struck him, spat on him, mocked him, stripped him. The crowd insulted him, shouted at him. He died and is buried. The reality is that if we get part of the story, we recognize there's a fight. This is what the story is all about. This is so counterculture to the place that we live. I was thinking about this. I think if I had to sum up London in two words, I'd probably choose this. Instant and entitlement. We want it now. Yesterday would have been even better. And actually, we all feel we're entitled. Where suddenly, you get involved in a story like this that Mark is talking about, and there's a sense of we are to get involved in a cause bigger than ourselves. And I don't know how it's all going to work out. I may not find out until eternity. It might not all come good today. What I do know is that this isn't the end of the story. What I do know is that Jesus rises from the dead. What I do know is that victory is accomplished and offered to us. And so then the challenge is, Come on, do we want to be a part of the story? Do we want to get involved and be a part of this story? There's three things that I would love to see happen in 2018. I'd love to see miracles happen, because that means God is here. What, are we going to pray? Will we fast? Will we seek God? Will we take the opportunity at work? It's a fight. I would love to see people come to know Jesus. That means, oh, golly, who who would I invite to the football? Who would I invite when we've suddenly got an alpha event? Oh, oh, the alpha course is starting. Oh, we think we've got these flyers. I mean, this is a brilliant course, isn't it? Who could I take? Oh, but they might say no. They might only come to one. Are we those that think this year, actually, you know what? I'm not going in retreat, I'm advancing. Anything I could possibly do, I want to do this. This feels life and death. I want to get somebody else on this story. Or do you think, "Mm, I'm tired. Circumstances are against me. Oh, it's my past. I mean, Pete, if you knew my past, there's no way I could ever get someone to do an alpha. How are we prepared to be those that say, I'll fight? If you've been around any time now, you know that we're... um, Trying to raise money, we've started a vision fund. I mentioned last Sunday afternoon, it's incredible, two weeks before Christmas, with two weeks notice, the church gave £120,000 on one Sunday. I just think, praise God. The fight has begun. The fight has begun. We still love to get into that building. We need to raise £700,000. That's why we've had these slips there at the back, their vision fund. That's why people now are saying, do you know what? I can make a one-off payment or I'm going to pledge for the next year, the next two years, the next three. Why? Because on my watch, I'm going to fight. That's what this is. This is a declaration. You know what? I'm in. The declaration is this is the story. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where God's going to take us. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to lay it all out on the pitch. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be involved. I don't know who gives what. I'd always find that difficult, to be totally honest. It's funny, Rachel deals, deals with all this, and sometimes she's almost in tears, the other side of the desk, and she goes, wow, that must represent a huge sacrifice. I just think, wow, people are in on the fight. This, to me, is the privilege of what we can do. You see, it's not all doom and gloom. And I know that my time is up, and I've got to land quickly. I think there are barriers in this passage, but there is a breakthrough. And I would love to speak some some hope over us. Throughout this whole thread of these barriers, there's also a sense of, but God, but God. The crowd is large and extensive because God is able to do that. The 12, if you picked up in this story, you'd have picked up 12, came up a number of times. How many counties are there in England? Anyone know? Hmm. Anyone know? No, we haven't got a clue, have we? It's not really important, is it? But how many tribes were there in Israel? It was 12. Everybody knew that. And so the 12 coming was, there's a new Israel emerging. It was so important. Even the farmer, okay, three quarters of the seed went nowhere, but one produced a 100 fruit. Even the wind and the waves were obedient to Jesus. Even things like, let's be honest, the pigs. I haven't got time to go into it now. We think of films like Babe, don't we? Oh, this cute little pig, and that's terrible. How on earth could Jesus kill 2,000 pigs? Pigs were symbolic of those that were opposed to the kingdom. And so even by destroying 2,000 pigs through this, Jesus was almost saying, do you know what is opposed to the kingdom? I can annihilate because we're going forward. Oh, if we had longer to unpack. The woman... The doctors were unable to do anything about it, but Jesus could. There was breakthrough. The, the daughter, the 12-year-old, literally she is raised from the dead. You see, there is breakthrough if, and here's the question, if we have faith not in us, but who is Jesus? See, again, this story of Mark that we're looking at, Next week, to be honest, we're going to pause for one week. We're going to celebrate what's happened here. We're telling the story of a bit of Redeemer. But on the 7th, uh, sorry, it's at the 4th of February, we'll be going to Mark chapter 7 because we're loving this story. The story is this, who is Jesus? The evil spirits cry out, he's the son of God. The family think he's insane. The disciples are not too sure. The educated think he's mad and bad. The rich and the poor are convinced he's able to heal. But who do you think Jesus is? Because that determines whether you give up on a barrier or whether you break through. Who do you think Jesus is? The first week of Alpha. Who is Jesus? You see, that changes everything. If I believed that Jesus could do all of this, wow, where could I go on this story? I could see people saved. I could see miracles happen. I could see money flowing if I believe who Jesus is. I think that is the question here. I'd love to pray. I'd love to pray for folk right now. If you're totally honest, you think, I can't get past the barriers, Pete. I'm the shortest of my two brothers. One year I was put in for the hurdles at school. I, I don't think I cleared any of them. It was like the high jump to me. You know what I'm saying? I literally ran along and knocked one over and knocked. And I thought, well, I got to the end, but I didn't win. Some of us, if you're totally honest, you feel like I'm running through life and I've just got another hurdle. There's no way I'm going to clear it. I hope just to be able to push it down. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you. If you're saying, oh, golly, I feel my past keeps holding me back. My identity holds me back. What my family have said about me holds me back. Then I'd love to pray for you. If you think actually I need to see a breakthrough in 2018, Pete, I want to believe for a breakthrough on giving. You can never outgive God. You might think, God, I'd love to be filling in. I need a breakthrough because I I need to step up and say, God, you are more than able. I'm going to fill in a pledge. Maybe that's the one that needs prayer this morning. Maybe it's an increase in faith. If you would like prayer, I'm not going to ask what for. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are, and I'm going to pray. Why don't you stand right now, and I will pray for all those that want to respond. You think, golly, I've got barriers that I'm fighting this time. I want to see some breakthrough in my life. I want to trust Jesus Christ for 2018. If you stand, and I will pray. Father, I want to thank you for the act of faith for all those that have stood. I don't know there for circumstance, but I know that you do. Father, if it's barriers that they're facing right now, I want to pray that they'd push them over. I pray not like a military that just thinks, oh, come on, this is us being so... No, actually, I pray there's something of the Spirit of God. Lord, for any that feel chained because their past has been so dramatic, I pray break those off right now. Small thinking has robbed you. Identity has robbed you circumstances just seem against you. You're physically tired. You just think, man, I just don't even want to get out of bed. I feel worn out. I'm weary. I want to break these barriers down. I want to pray instead that there be an understanding and an appreciation of who Jesus Christ is so that breakthrough comes. So actually there's a sense of advance whether we go under, over or through. We're going forward in Jesus' name. I ask that now. Amen.